0: Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, everyone. Um, So we've got uh, my brother, Matt Carter, here with us. Um, If you don't know Matt, he's been around the Austin area for a really long time, actually just transitioned to Houston. Um, But if you don't know, I want to give you a little bit of his background and bio. But first, thanks just for being with us, man. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah,
1: it's good to be here, Zach. Thanks, man.
0: Uh, Man, so in 2002, Matt planted the Austin Stone Community Church, which under his leadership grew from a core team of 15 to over 8,000 attending each Sunday. But last month, Matt actually transitioned from leading Austin Stone and moved to Houston, where he now serves as the lead pastor of Sagemont Church. Matt has co-authored multiple books, including a commentary on the Gospel of John um, in the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary Series. He also co-authored a novel of historical fiction called Steal Away Home, which the great book tells the real-life story of famed pastor Charles Spurgeon's unlikely friendship with a former slave-turned-missionary named Thomas Johnson. Matt holds an MDiv from Southwestern Seminary and a doctorate in ex- ex- expositional <laughs> preaching from Southeastern Seminary. You have so many degrees, it's honestly, it's hard to <laughs> it's, even it's get hard them all the way up. <laughs> uh, he and his wife, Jennifer, have <laughs> been married for over 20 years. We have three children, John Daniel, Annie, and Samuel. So um, Matt and I actually connected a while back. We've been in the city together for a long time, but kind of more in peripheral settings. And then a couple of years ago, I uh, opened up my phone to a message on Twitter from Matt Carter. And I was like, man, it's totally out of the blue. We never really like had a conversation spoken. We probably said hi to each other at a couple of pastor things. But I, go- I went back and I looked at it because I remembered it and I wanted to-, to phrase it exactly right. Here's what you said, man. You said, hey, Zach, just listen to some of your sermons, all caps. Great stuff, man. So thankful you're in Austin. Dude, honestly, I was I was blown away when I got that from you. You know, I I have a lot of respect for you as a communicator and a pastor um, and someone like you that God has used to do really amazing things, and it just meant a lot to me, man. It really encouraged me um, a couple of years ago, and uh, man, we've struck up a friendship ever since, gotten to hang out uh, a few times, and um, just appreciate you, man, and I appreciate you, like I said, taking the time to hang out with us today.
1: No, it's good to be here, Zach, and I'll tell you what I was doing, you know, when I when I planted the stone in 2002 um I tried to go meet with some different pastors around the city and and most of them wouldn't do it you know and so I sort of made a pact with myself that when young guys come into the city that I want to I want to reach out to them or at least be available to them and I, I remember seeing something about you guys at Restore on Twitter and I clicked on it and saw that you're new I was like who's this and and uh, I think it was one of your sermon links, and I listened to it. I was like, man, that was good. And then I listened to another one, and it was really good. I was like, man, this kid can sling it. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm going to reach out to him and tell him hi. And, and so that's kind
0: of how we connected. And It's been good being your being your friend. Man, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it. And it's been good being your friend too, man. I've always appreciated how um, just honest and authentic you've been with me and coached me up on a few things over the years, And and I appreciate it, man. So – that was your bio I just gave, but man, I would love for people who don't know, uh, if you to just share a little bit of your story.
1: Yeah, so I um, went to college at Texas A&M, um, long story, but felt called the ministry, got into ministry and and um, was actually working for a Methodist church uh, as a student pastor out of Texas A&M and was going, to, grew up Baptist, but was working a Methodist church and uh, was going to seminary to get my masters of divinity and it was kind of through that process that i sort of felt i think looking back the stirring of the spirit to to plant a church but i i didn't want to just go plant a church without sort of the lord really making it clear to me that i was supposed to do it yeah i had heard too many guys that had tried to plant a church and you know crashed and burned and and so i was really waiting kind of from a sign for the lord and from the lord and I prayed about it for a couple of years, really. It was that long, but I was taking wow. a church planning class at seminary and um, it was one of those week-long classes that you take at Southwestern J terms or I terms or something like that. And I, I got assessed for church planning during that, that time. And um, my wife and I actually did together. We scored pretty well. And so the professor came to me and said, Hey, um, we'd like for you to plan a church through our, southwestern seminary church planning organization and i was thrilled because um i mean i'd been praying for two years and it's like an answer to prayer like okay god you wrote it in the clouds and so i said i'd love to so we went to lunch and first question he asked me was matt uh where do you work where are you where are you pastor and i said well i'm actually an associate pastor youth pastor at at a at a methodist church in the woodlands texas and I don't know if your folks know anything about old school Southern Baptists and Methodists, but they, they're like you know, cousins that don't like each other very well. And, and um, he looked at me and said, you work at a Methodist church? I said, yeah. And he, he said, why? And I was like, um, <clears throat> God, call me there? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. And, and, um, and I was actually working with Chris Tomlin, which if, if people don't know who Chris Tomlin is, super famous worship leader, wrote How Great is Our God. He and I were doing a contemporary service together where I was preaching, okay. and so, you know, he was kind of getting famous. So I thought I'd drop Tomlin's name to this professor. I was like, "Hey, man, Chris Tomlin works there. We work right together." The professor yeah. said, "Never heard of him." <laughs> and so, long story short, withdrew the offer to plant a church through them. Wow. Even yes, even though I was at a Methodist church and had grown up Baptist, I was at a Baptist seminary, yeah. um, and so um, I was really dejected and and sad. And then um, at the end of the week, our our, um, our final for the class was to write a paper, a recent church plan in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We got a list of all the church planners in the area. I randomly picked one that was on the way home to Houston, called him on a Friday, said, hey, is there any way I'm, I'm coming home? I got to interview a church planner. Can I meet with you? He said, you know what? I just had an appointment canceled. Love for you too. Drove to his church interviewed him for the paper and at the end of it he asked me said man what are you up to I was like, and I told him the story I just told you it's like well wow. I'm praying about planting church and he offered it to me but took it away because I work at a method church and he said well Matt you've been you've just been talking to all the wrong people and he mm-hmm. said I'm a church planning recruiter for the Southern Baptist of Texas convention yeah. and I'd love for you to plant with us when you want to get started wow. and I was like awesome And so um, that was sort of the beginning of the Austin Stone. Um, I called my wife on the way home and said, hey, baby, start praying. I think we're going to plant a church. Well, that night I drove home and was actually having dinner with Chris Tomlin, And I told him, I said, hey, man, I think I'm going to be leaving. I just got this offer to plant a church. I have no idea what that's going to look like or where it's going to be. And he didn't really say much. But the next morning was Sunday and I was preaching. And he walked up to me, right up to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, man, I couldn't sleep last night. He said, I want to go with you, and I want to go to Austin, Texas. Awesome. Wow. And so the Austin Stone is because of Chris Thalman. He said, want to go to Austin, Texas. And I said, well, first of all, I'd love for you to go with me. And, and there's no way in Shio i I'm going to Austin, Texas. And I'll tell you why. Because I was an Aggie. Um, I'd only been to Austin one other time in my life. True story, Zach. Me and a bunch of my core buddies had gone down there for like a bachelor party thing. And yeah. we, uh, we got um, in a street fight with a UT fraternity and we got <laughs> shot at uh, oh. at Sixth street with a gun. They missed us, but with a pistol, guy pulled out a pistol and shot at us. And so I'm like, there's no way I'm going to Austin. Wow. But prayed about it, prayed about it. Just um, at the time, Austin, there was an article that had come out in USA Today. Austin was one of the most unreached, you know, cities yeah. per capita in the nation. It's the capital of Texas, University of, of Texas. We wanted to go where the action is, and so we moved to Austin, planted the stone, and the rest is history, man. Um, 18 years later, um, got a call from this church in Houston called Sagemont. I won't bore y'all with the story, man, but God made it really, really clear. It's sort of one of those Austin Stone moments where it just wrote up the yeah. sky for me, and we always want to be open to what God yeah. has for us because I thought I'd retire in Austin, yeah. I had different plans and and so I'm in the process of transitioning a very established older congregation kind of in southeast Houston and I'm honestly having a blast man but it's uh awesome. it's different y'all pray for me
0: <laughs> yeah you got it man you got it that's big time well wow. and and if people don't know um can you tell us where Austin Stone first started held some of its first services
1: well, yeah, our very first service we ever had was on December second, two thousand one, in Fullmore Middle School.
0: Um, Man, which is when Austin friend. Stone started. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know, Austin Stone was in there for a little bit, and then they moved to Austin High. And um, I believe it was like fourteen years that there wasn't anything in Fullmore Middle School, and then Matt Gonzalez and I, our families, moved here summer of twenty fifteen. Started looking for a place to meet. God radically opened the doors at Fullmore Middle School, and we launched there, and we're we're still there to this day, man. So it's so. Zach, exactly. cool. let me
1: tell you one quick cool story. So we would we would always get in trouble with the people in the neighborhood for parking because yeah. our people would park down the streets. And, and uh, one day I took a picture of it. One day there was a sign on one of the uh, our people's cars that said, "Where would Jesus park?" Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if y'all ever get in trouble for that.
0: Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Um, well, man, speaking of that, speaking of being, you know, you were at Fullmore, which everybody knows that our church where that's at, right, right on South Congress, where we meet every week. And then you moved to Austin High, which is in the, the core of downtown there. Um, and as I've heard you talk and speak over the years, one theme that, that always resonated a lot with me that I've heard you talk about over and over and over again is being a church that is for the city, a church that's for the city. And so I'd love for you to just talk to us a little bit about what that means for y'all, what that means to you, and what that could look like for us as well. Yeah,
1: so I've I've got some notes here. Um, so if I'm looking down, that's what I'm looking got at. It. I'm getting old. I'm losing my memory a little bit. But so when I was when I was studying um, the scriptures and and just different books and things like that as a young church planner, like what do I want this church to look like? What do I want it to, what DNA it's going to have, and that sort of thing. Um, I came across some stuff from Tim Keller, which is pastor in New York city about that. There's basically four different kinds of churches and every church is one of these four. And the first kind of church is a church that's just in the city. Um, maybe you have a building, maybe you don't, um, you meet, you have programs for the kids you're in the city you're doing your thing, but you never really focus in any meaningful way outside the four walls of your church. And so, um, you're there, but the city doesn't even sort of realize you're there. It's just a yeah. church that's in the city. <clears throat> Excuse me. that there's a church that's against the against the city. Yeah. And, um, I used to say when I would teach this stuff that, uh, that thankfully there'd being less and less of these kind of churches, but with all the stuff that's going on with George Floyd and the In different racial racial situations, I'm sort of seeing more churches sort of come out, and the idea that it's us against them, city bad, church good. We're on a hill, going to protect ourselves, wall ourselves out, and and sort of look at the stain, look at uh, the city with the stain. They're bad, we're good, and so that's a church that's against our city or the city, and the other is a church that's with the city, and um. And, and that's a church that um, sort of bends so far to the culture that you can't really distinguish between them and the culture of the city. Um, and in Revelation 2, when Jesus was speaking to the church at Ephesus, he talked about the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And he said, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, I hate. In, in other words, he was saying to the Ephesians, I like the fact, I love the fact that you guys aren't like the Nicolaitans well, you think, okay, well, what in the world were the Nicolaitans doing? Because he said he hated their deeds. That's a pretty strong yeah. word from Jesus. Yeah. And you go and you study it. And what they were doing is they had bent so far to the culture. The church had bent so far to the culture that they stopped being salt and light in the yeah. culture. And so, yeah. you know, as a church, we're supposed to be a church that loves the city. We're supposed to reach out to the city. We're supposed to um, engage in the city. And we're supposed to Um, serve the city but at the same time we can't look so much like them that there's not a difference in us
0: yeah and so that's
1: a church that's with the city and then finally there's a fourth kind of church which is a church that's for the city and and this is this is a church that's kind of like what i was saying it uh, engages in the needs of the city it engages in serving the city and loving the city not for the sake of service and not for the sake of engagement but for the sake of lifting high the name of Jesus. And so, um, so that when you love the city, you serve the city, you engage the city, you meet the needs of the city that they can sort of look at the church and say, Hey, this church really is for us. You know, they love the city. And, um, and so that was what we sort of wanted Austin stone to, to be all about. There's a couple of biblical foundations that I looked at that I'll share with you really quickly. Yeah. We'll preach sermon to you, but I'll just read them to you. It's <laughs> Jeremiah 29 starting verse 4, and, and God is speaking to the Israelites who were in exile in Babylon. And, and, he, and he's speaking to them, and he says, Thus said the, says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom i have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And he, so, so he dresses them there, and then he tells them what to do. He gives them instructions. He said, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. So he sort of starts off and saying, Hey, I, I don't want you to wall yourselves off. Yeah. I don't want you to sort of get by yourself. I want you to engage your city. Give your sons away and your daughters away in marriage. And he says, And, and then he says something interesting. He says, Do not decrease, but increase. And so he's saying, don't get smaller, sort of get larger. And then he says the, the key thing, he say, says, don't decrease, but seek the welfare of the city with mm. which I have sent you. Those are the exact mm. phrase. Now that word welfare is the Hebrew word shalom, which mm. means peace yeah. or universal flourishing. Yeah. It doesn't just mean the cessation of hostilities has a fuller meaning than that. It means yeah. universal flourishing. And so God literally says, I want you to seek the universal flourishing Mm. of this place that you find yourself in exile. Okay. And so universal flourishing doesn't just mean spiritual flourishing. It means educational flourishing. It means financial flourishing. It means racial flourishing. It means all, it means all, all, you know, economic flourishing. He calls his people to pursue and increase the holistic flourishing of the city that he sent them to, that they were in exile. Right. And then he says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And he says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. Okay. Mm. So you don't just seek their flourishing, but you're praying for the city of Austin. And he says, for wit, for in its welfare, you will find welfare. And so the way that we find peace, the way that we flourish, the way that we, um, grow and and have all this healing flourishing is not by walling ourselves off from our city, but to engage it. One more quick one. Acts 17 26 Hmm. says he made from one man, every nation from mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And here's the key phrase there says he determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Hmm. And so every person at restore, the person that goes to your church, it says that God set their appointed times. He established the times that they would live and he set the boundaries of their habitation. And so in other words, every person that, that goes through a store, God chose the time that they would live and he chose the place that they would live, which is in Austin. And so if God specifically handpicked Uzak to live in Austin, Texas in 2020, and he calls his people to pursue the welfare of the city. Mm-hmm. And that means God has a plan for each one of you. Yes. God has a plan for your church to engage the city for his glory. And so that's sort of the biblical foundations of that. Um, I also, during that same time, um, at the beginning of the, of the church plant, was reading a lot about Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. And I was taking a seminary class on Spurgeon, and I read this book called uh, Spurgeon on Leadership. And I didn't know this, but if your people don't know, Charles Spurgeon is one of the most famous preachers in history. He was a preacher in England in the 1850s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, one of the first megachurches, it was called Metropolitan yeah. Tabernacle. And, um, and I love Spurgeon, he's a great preacher. But what a lot of people don't know about Spurgeon is how engaged he was mm-hmm. in social issues. Yeah. He, was, he was one of the first people uh, to speak up publicly against American slavery. He was, he was hands down the most famous pastor in the world at that time. Not, not anybody was close. And he was really famous in America. There was, uh, at a time I wrote a novel about him. That's why I know this guy, but 250,000 of his sermons were being circulated per week in the United States. And he preached a sermon on the evils of American slavery. Wow. And, 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 um, and that got circulated to all these churches in America (laughs) and he called it the foulest blot on the American experiment, Wow! wow, which, I mean, think about this, man, this is before the civil war, this guy was calling folks out and his popularity in America dried up overnight. (laughs) He got death threats. People were trying to kill him. And so not only that, but, um. Man, he built um, an orphanage um, in, in the city of London. That was a time of, of great industrialization in London. And so um, there was tons of people that were moving in from rural areas into the city of London. Poverty increased. Homelessness increased. And he's like, man, we have a choice. We can either engage this, we can sort of be for our city, or we can run to the suburbs. Yeah. You know? Well, they made a city decision to engage so they created an orphanage i think at one point they had close to 500 kids that were wow. um that they were their church was taken care of at one time um there there's an actual orphanage it's not an orphanage but they it's like a kid's home that's that is what it is metropolitan tabernacle still does it wow. to this to this day um they had like a 15 old folks homes, which back in the day, if you didn't have family and you got sick and couldn't work, yeah. that's it. You know, There's no social security in London in 1850. And so yeah. they created 15 old folks homes to care for older people um, that they could, you know, live and, and pass away uh, in dignity. They had homes for single mothers. Um, they had um, all these drives for poor and rural pastors to help them, clothe them, provide books for them. Um, and you name it they were doing it in the city yeah. and they were, they were for their city. And because of it, and this is key, their influence began to increase in the city. Mm. Yeah. What God said would happen, happened. When they yeah. sought the shalom of the city that they found shalom. So wow. their influence began to increase and it, it began to increase past the poor. And it began to increase past uh, normal folks in their church. and. started to get the attention of the aristocracy and and the king and the queen and everybody's like man this church really is care for our city and so it was said of them at the time that if metropolitan tabernacle would have closed their doors just packed up their bags and left and went somewhere else that the city of london would have grieved wow wow and when i heard that man that got my attention yeah i was like all right if I'm going to be a church in the middle of Austin, Texas, that's the kind of church I want to be. Yeah. I want to be a church that so loves our city, that engages our city, and is so for our city. Again, not for the sake of just service. That's important. But it is to lift by the name of Jesus. But we're going to love our city so well that if we're to pack our bags, the city of Austin would grieve. Yeah. And, um, man, I want to just tell you just two, um, three quick little things, and I'll be done. In um, sort of ways that we did that yeah. you know one of our um, we have six campuses at the stone and um, one of them is in the st. John's neighborhood yeah. which is sort of an under-resourced neighborhood it's quickly changing because so many folks are moving in and um, but you know ten years ago twelve years ago that wasn't the case and we wanted to move in and put a campus there but we didn't want to come in is uh, is like the the great white hope, you know, and yeah, come in yeah. and you know the upper middle class white church and say, hey, we're here to save the day with all the answers. Yeah. And so we we went into the neighborhood and and said, came alongside the leaders that were already doing ministry there and said, how can we help? How can we come alongside what it is that you're doing and um, and serve you guys and hold on and um. um A lot of the leaders that were there and the churches that were there said, man, these are some organizations that are doing great work in in the city, but they have a great need for um, office space and for meeting space. And so we thought, what if we put one of our campuses in the St. John neighborhood, but instead of us using it all week, we provided it as a building for those organizations. And so we call it the For the City Center. That's the big sign on the side of the wall. There's one little Austin Stone sign at the back that you can barely see. It's called the For the City Center. There's four or 5 nonprofits that we house there all the time. They, they pay reduced rent. They get to use our meeting facilities anytime they want to, the sanctuary, all the fellowship hall kind of stuff. And, um, and so there's some really cool stuff going on there. And uh, that's one thing we did. Two more quick stories. Reagan High School, which you guys are probably familiar with, several years ago, um, they had failed their standardized testing. And I can't remember the exact details of this. You'll have to forgive me. But I think if, if, a, if a school fails two or three standardized testing in a row, I think they shut the yeah. school down.
0: Yeah, they start losing and, funding
1: and all and that. Yeah. 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 But the tragic thing about it is the kids don't just go to another school. Exactly. There's yeah. something crazy like a 50% dropout rate. Wow. And so, you know, here we are. I'm preaching, hey, we got to be for the city. So <laughs> we sort of approached Reagan and said, hey, can we come just – Help in any way, and what the church did was pretty amazing. Man, we had several teachers that changed school districts in order to be teachers in the school. We had University of Texas students just come out of the woodwork to come and mentor kids. We had guys going volunteer in all the sports programs. We did after-school programs. We, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff they were doing. They engaged that church. Next year, they, they passed their standardized testing. Oh, that's awesome. And I don't know how much we were part of that, but I think we probably helped. Yeah. And um, and so that was one thing. And then the final story I'll give you is this, and this is one of my favorite ministry stories of all time. But there was this big apartment fire that was <clears throat> right down the street from St. John, and there was eight or nine units that the people in there lost everything, and they were refugees um, from different countries. And um, it, it was right after I had just preached my very first for the city sermon. Okay. And so I got on Twitter and I said, all right, Austin Stone, here we go. We preached on it. Now let's do it. Here's the address. This thing burned down. We need diapers. We need water. We need clothes. And, blah, 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 blah. and within 30 minutes, you got college kids in their sweatpants coming with bags of diapers <laughs> and, you know, clothes. So those. We sort of set up shop and, and we're um, <clears throat> kind of, figuring out how to get all these different people and housing and that sort of thing. And the Red Cross shows up and we've already got everything taken care of. And so the Fox News uh, lady that was sort of doing it on live TV that, I don't know if it was live, but when she was recording that thing for the news that night said, hey, we're here at the apartment fire on so-and-so street. And she said, if you'd like to help these folks that have lost their homes, don't call the Red Cross, call the Austin Stone Community Church. (laughs) And then gave our number. And I was watching the news that night and I started crying yeah man because I'm like that's what it's all about, yeah and uh, and so that's what it means before the city, and hadn't always
0: done it well, but we've definitely tried, man. I love that so much and and I'll be honest, man, that there there's legacy in that that has touched not just um our church family but my family personally a lot, a lot of our church family knows that uh, my wife and I are foster parents for two years and have three placements in our home over those two years and we did every single one of our trainings at the For the City Center because they mm-hmm. were able to do it there for free. That's very um, cool. We we have uh, two or three community partners that we work with at Restore that are housed out of the For the City Center at St. John. Cool. So we have these, these mm-hmm. legacy moments. And, you know, when you were talking about Spurgeon, I, I've heard that story about, um, you know, that they would be grieved, that the city would be grieved that they moved out. And I can't remember if it was I think it was Darren Patrick, um, our brother who recently passed away, or or Tim Keller, um, who said, basically, challenge. This is kind of what I was thinking through church planting, and I was hearing these guys talk, and they told this story about Spurgeon and about the Metropolitan Tabernacle and all this stuff, and they said that about the the city would be grieved if they packed up their doors, and then they said, Do you think the city would be grieved if your church packed up your door, uh, packed up and left? do you think that the city would cheer if the church packed up and left, or do you think they would even notice? And they go, yeah. he, he just said, those are the three options. Either they have no idea because you're so disengaged or they cheer because you've been so angry and mean and all of that stuff to them. Um, like you talked about the the barriers and the disdain, um, or they would grieve because you have been for them the whole time. And and that was so influential in how we decided to plant and, um, some of the, our church knows this story, but I don't know if I ever told you, we were uh, looking that first summer, summer of 2015 for a building. And we'd driven around all of the 04 zip code, which is where we really feel like God felt like God was calling us and drove by Fullmore. And I remember it was just summertime. And so um, there weren't any kids there and I was driving and I was, I was, I would prayer drive, not prayer walk. It was just too hot to prayer walk, you know, Austin. so I'd prayer drive with the AC on and I'm driving by Fulmore and I really just feel the spirit saying, Hey, just go in there and talk to someone. Mm-hmm. So I walk in and I talk to a guy, um, right? Walk in the front door and his name is Mr. Franklin. And he's the head of the janitorial staff there. And we just start talking. I tell him who I am. And he says, no way, man, I'm a pastor too. I was like, what are you talking about? he said, in Waco, I drive up there every Sunday, every Saturday night, preach on Sunday, and then drive home, I've been doing that for 20 years. So we just have this incredible conversation. I said, hey, Mr. Franklin, is there any way you think maybe we could meet here someday? And he said, you know, I don't make those calls, but the principal, I think she may be out in the portable building, the the building's under construction, so go knock on the door, see if she's out there. And I go knock on the door, and to be honest, when I first talked to her, she was not interested. She was like, nah, we're, we're fine, we're good. And this was like core team phase. We, we had maybe 20 people in our little group that we were getting together and talking about starting this church. And, and so I said, um, said ma'am, we really want to be a church that, and I used the term, we want to be a church that's for the city. We want to be a church that is involved in the community that, that helps and no, no strings attached. So if there's anything that we could do to help your staff, your students, your faculty, let us know. And she was like, OK, oh, you know, and I was like, no, I'm I'd I, please tell me something like give me something to do, you know, and uh, I was like, I feel like I pastor a fake church right now. It doesn't even exist, you know, so give me something to do. And um, she says, OK, uh, we have a lot of students that are below the poverty line and um, they're supposed to be dressing up on big game days or or art days or drama days or whatever days they're supposed to get performances. And a lot of them don't have have nice clothes to wear. So if you can get some button down shirts some ties some slacks some dresses, things like that. And so we went back to our group of 20 people and we just said, okay, here's the mission. We're going to try to do this. And so we not only grabbed everything in our little area with those 20, but we went to every dry cleaner in the zip code and said, hey, do you have anything hanging up that's been long left that you can give to us? A bunch of dry cleaners gave us clothes. And then one dry cleaner said, anything that you get donated, we will uh, dry clean press, you know, for free. And, uh, and it was this incredible like for the city moment where all these people are coming together from these different spheres, education, business, um, faith communities, and we all come together. And the next week I got to bring, you know, two, I think th- two or 300 like ties, you know, shirts, dresses, pants, everything. We just bring them all together and we, I lay them on our desk and I just said, what's next? Is there, any, you know, you got anything else? And she was just totally blown away. And then next she gave us um, the the idea to get She was like, we need some school supplies. You know, we've got some kids that need some school supplies. So we went back and another partner church said, hey, we're doing a school supply drive. But so we'll designate 100 backpacks just for you. And we'll raise it. You give us the list. We'll put the school supplies in them. And then you take them and you get to go be the hero at the middle school. So another church community steps up and says, we're going to be for you guys for the city. So the next week we take 100 backpacks full of school supplies and give them to her. And she was, again, blown away. And so after that, she emailed me and she said, hey, I want to get together and talk about, you know, maybe you guys meeting here. And so I was like, hey, this is our chance. This is our chance. So me and Matt Gonzalez, the worship pastor that I planted with, who's still with us, we, we go and we have everything ready. We're ready to pitch them on all the reasons, you know, that they should let us meet there. And it was not so much that we walked in the door and sat down that they started to pitch us about how mm. much they wanted us to be there mm. and how... And if we were looking anywhere else, they would do anything that they could to keep us at that school. It was incredible, man. And so it was like a real life example of that for the city shalom, um, that very goodness working between all things and for all things, like being recognized, man. And we've been able to be there now since, you know, February of 2016 is when we launched.
1: It makes me so happy,
0: man. And, yeah.
1: and I love that. You hadn't told me that. That's incredible. That makes my day. And you know what? That's when church starts getting fun, man you know right. when you're able to it's not just about us it's not just about i mean and yeah the church is is for our edification but at the same time it's when it really gets fun and it gets good when you start loving other people and you see in the fruit of that and
0: that's a great story that's very cool thanks brother well i i got a question for you kind of a follow up question and it's one that you know i've wondered and i'm sure others have wondered too and you know you you were you were doing the for the city thing at Stone, right? Right in the middle of, of downtown Austin. You've been doing it for all of these years and saw it go from 15 people to 8,000 people and all of that stuff. So, so why leave Stone now, a church so for the city, right, and go to a 50-year-old mega church in Houston?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, man. And uh, so it's a really long story. I'm going to make it really short. And that's that I've always tried to keep my hand, like I said earlier, I'd always try to keep my hands open to the Lord on whatever he wants me to do. And, um, and I had a sort of a weird moment happen about a year ago. I was at the stone. It was like a staff meeting and, um, we were all worshiping and I'm looking around at all these young Austin stoners, staff people, and all these young preachers and leaders that are just so sharp and, and it was almost like this fatherly moment mm-hmm. where I was like, man, I've raised these folks up. you know. God, is this what you want me to do the rest of my life? I, and because my daughter is the exact same age as the stone. Wow. And she was born like a month before the stone was sort of born. And, wow. and you know, Annie is graduating this year yeah. and she's 18 and I'm letting her go and she's yeah. sort of ready. And so I had this sort of weird out of the blue moment of, of and I'm letting my daughter go, this stone's my baby, God, do you want me to stay here? You know, I don't know, it was weird. But um, anyway, that sort of got my heart thinking about, God, what's next, and God, what do you want me to do? And then out of the blue, I get this call from this church. And as I was looking at it, and I'm, I'm looking at the city of Houston. The city of Houston is really intriguing to me. And, and I'll tell you why, because it's the fourth largest city in the United States. And it's one of the fastest growing large cities in the United States. The last data I saw is that in five years, they said between now and five years, it's going to overtake Chicago as the third largest city in the United States. And it's like the 12th or 13th most diverse city in the U S it's massive, diverse population. And man, it, it just needs more churches. It needs more Christ exalting Bible preaching. for the city kind of churches um, because this is a picture of the world right here in the city of Houston and so when they called and I found that out and I found the location of the church and and sort of how they were set up I was like God do you want me to do this and he he did some cool stuff that I I won't bore you with today but pretty neat stuff that made it clear and so so I'm like all right God let's see if we can go do this one more time and uh, here I am down in Houston and we're going to give it a
0: go. Wow, oh, man, that it's, it's so encouraging to me, man, to to, to see an 18 year journey of, of starting something from scratch, brand new, with a group of folks and creating a church that's for the city, and then seeing it be that, right, seeing it be that, but not just, not just because of your specific leadership, but because you also raised up leaders all around you, men and women to be able to continue to do that work, and that you able to look around and say, hey, they can, they can do this without me now, and maybe God is calling me to to take a church and, and kind of redirect it to being for the city in a city like Houston and carry on that legacy and work, man. That's, Let me say it, this
1: real quick, dude. man. It, um, you know, if the stone, I'm not saying it was easy, but it's one thing to get 19 year old university of Texas students fired up about yeah. living on mission and yeah. being for a city. It's something altogether different to get, um, sixty year old Republican white people to get <laughs> fired up yeah. and but here's the thing what I'm finding man is that i think I think there's a pent up hunger yeah. in the American church for for folks to sort of get in the fight. Yeah. Um, I think churches for too long have said, hey we're going to build buildings for you and create programs for you and just come consume yeah. ministry and I think pastors forget that every single person that's in their pews that's a believer is has the Holy Spirit of God inside of them and the power that raised Christ from the dead inside of them. And and um, and what I'm finding is a lot of these men and women that kind of the second half of their life are really hungry to get in the fight. Wow. And and I've been really
0: encouraged by it. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I, I I'll be honest, man. I have tremendous, tremendous respect for you because you would never say this, but you could have um coasted at stone for the rest of your life you know the rest of your career you had you had it built up you had an incredible team around you and you could have just kind of rested on your laurels right and done your thing man but like to take this step now um kind of in the second half of your ministry career with people who are in the kind of second half of their lives and try to re redirect reorient relight that fire that you're saying so many of them have you've already seen it i just have just tremendous tremendous respect for that man and we thank need you. more of that in this world brother thank you brother yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank you again for being with us, man. I would love if you would just close us in prayer, pray for Restore, for Sagemont, for Stone, for our cities and for our world, man.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Father, um, I just lift up this church to you, Restore, that I just respect and love. And and um, even though I've never stood in front of them, God, I just have always felt a kindred spirit with them and and, uh, and Father, I just pray for your continued blessing on them. I pray for Zach and the leadership, God, that you would give them wisdom in these trying and difficult days. God, I pray for every single person that goes to restore God, that you would use them in powerful ways in the city of Austin, that they would truly be a church that is for the city of Austin, that they would seek the shalom of the city of Austin, so that they would find shalom and, Lord, that people would be drawn to you. Um, God, I just pray that you would bless them. And, and, and God, that they would see the work of their hands, that they would see the fruit of their labor. And, and God, ultimately, that you'd be pleased and that you'd be exalted. And so it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen.